0: Hello, and welcome to The Creek Podcast. This week, lead pastor Matt Oxley continues his series, Ecclesiastes, Finding Meaning in Life, with a message entitled, Is This All There Is?, taken from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 16, through chapter 4, verse 3. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time, uh, if you'll fill out one of those guest cards somewhere in the vicinity of you so we can just get a conversation started and uh, get you some information about who we are why we do it, we do, um, and I know probably a lot of questions that you have about daycare center that 's uh, just the way we roll. I know it 's hot i 'm sorry we've got r two d two working his little tail off. Uh, we call him r two d two he 's our portable air conditioner unit in the back corner, and so uh, we 're actually going to start coming in on Saturday to help cool the building down at night and so uh, bear with us uh, if we need to buy another unit we 'll buy another unit but um, um I know it 's hot. You know it's got to be hot in church, though, right? I mean, we need the fanning going on and everything. I know you're hot because I can see you fanning. You know, I, if I start sweating, it's over, by the way, because I won't stop. A uh, couple of housekeeping things before we get into the message. Uh, starting next week, because um, one of the things that we're we've been working with lately is managing growth here at the Creek, and uh, God is choosing to grow this, uh, grow us as a church. And so next week. We're actually moving the coffee bar across the hallway and opening up what's called our video cafe. Uh, so we will have tables and chairs set up in there, more tables and chairs than we already do. We're actually going to be sending a video feed of the service as if you want to see this mug on a camera, right? But we're sending it in there uh, to kind of help free up some space. The first service was full. Summertime is kind of sporadic, but uh, just through the end of spring, uh, end of school, man, uh, we were having some days where we were uh, standing up in here. Um, and so we're just trying to manage uh, and be good stewards of the growth. I love that God's choosing to grow us. He just blows me away every day about what he does. And, um, and our team is actually talking about a third service and what that might look like uh, down the road and in the future. So um, just to keep that on your radar. Uh, also, in your worship guide, let me, let me just bring one thing to your uh, attention. This week, we don't have agape. Normally, every third Thursday of the month, we go and we serve at Agape Meals at Broadway Baptist Church in Fort Worth. They have been doing some foundation repair and some renovations on the building, and are not actually having the Agape Meals this month. Um, so we'll resume that in August. Third Thursday of August is when we'll resume uh, back uh, working at Agape. If you've never done that, I recommend you come out and do that. It's pretty amazing, uh, amazing process to to go have dinner with those that are less fortunate and. And uh, I think I end up getting more out of it than anyone else does. So uh, it's a good opportunity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Uh, If you've got a Bible, go meet me there. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. And if you don't own a Bible, Merry Christmas in July. We're just over six months away from Christmas. So that's an early gift for you. So put your name in it, though, um, so we know who to get the lost and found to because... Uh, honestly, we lose our lost and found pretty regularly here at the creek because we load up and unpack and pack and pack and load, load, you know. You know how it goes. So uh, we, we end up with stuff, and if it doesn't have names on it, we're not real sure. I think I've gotten some really cool sunglasses and coffee mugs and all that good stuff. So just put your name on it. That way we know who to get it back to. Anyway, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, let me catch you up with what's going on. Solomon is writing the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon has... Uh, a great wisdom. God uh, had a conversation with them and said, "I'll give you anything you want." Don't don't think of God as a genie, but they had the conversation, and Solomon said, "You know, I want wisdom." And God said, "Because you asked of something so so valuable and so great, not only am I going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you all these things that you didn't ask for." And so Solomon is writing this book. Uh, Normally, people believe it's at the end of his life because there's a lot of reflection going on. And uh, he's asking some pretty hard questions about life. And uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, last week we talked about seasons of life and how God orders those seasons. Some of us go through time. Some of us, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm in a time right now where, man, it's joy. I'm in, a, I'm in a good season in life. I am loving life. I'm having a great time. I love my job. I've got a an amazing wife, an amazing family. And I am, I'm in that good season. And what Solomon says, when those seasons come and they're good, enjoy them, soak it up. Drink it deeply, laugh deeply, enjoy it. Don't sit around waiting for the bad to come around the corner to smack you because it probably will, but don't think on that. Enjoy it while you've got it. And then some of us in, this, in our church community and, and around us are in times of sorrow where life is just heavy, it's, it's hard. It feels like you're, you're walking uphill both ways, if you know what I mean. And what Solomon says in that is enjoy life. Press into God. Learn rest. Learn joy. And God is in control of those seasons. God controls the seasons of joy and the seasons of sorrow. And I think that's just God's merciful nature. That's his mercy. And so we're going to pick up this morning and ask, ask Solomon's going to ask a question that we're going to spend some time Digging in for the answer. But before we do, I'm just going to I did this in the first service. I'm dealing with a little bit of viral ADD this morning. I don't know what's going on inside my head and my spirit, but I just want to pray and center ourselves in before we go into this word because it's going to be heavy this morning. I'm just warning you. So if you would pray with me. Father, we love you and we thank you so much uh, that we get to approach your word. And I pray that right now we just lay ourselves down. That as we approach your word... You use it to shape us, that we can hear your truth this morning, that we can truly hear your truth this morning. And so, Father, I ask that you open us up. I know it's hot. Give us visions of cooler places and and help us to just focus in and center ourselves on you and what you want for us today. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'm going to pick it up in verse 16, and Solomon's going to continue the conversation. He says, And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. I also thought, as for men, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so does the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. Now, Solomon's not reducing us in the animal kingdom that says, you know, we, they have no advantage because we actually do. They're called opposable thumbs, all right? Um, we have the ability to work the remote and our dog doesn't, right? But um, what Solomon is saying is we're going to face the same fate. Just as we die, so is our dog. You know, so I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the theology of if, if our dog goes to heaven, have some thoughts. I believe there's some dogs that shouldn't be in heaven because I've met them and I don't think there's any cats in heaven. I'm sorry. That's just the way it goes. Anyway. We'll move. I don't have time for all that nonsense. Um, All go to the same place. All come from dust, and the dust all return. Okay, what he's saying, we're all going, we all meet the same thing. God formed man from the dust and the dirt and breathed his life into us. We're all going back to that same place. We are not escaping the grave. And then Solomon gets into the question. Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward and the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth? So what I saw, so I saw that there is nothing better for man than to enjoy his work, because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. What Solomon's really getting to is asking the question, is this all there is? I mean, God shows us that our fate is the same as the animal. So is this all there is? We're born, we go through seasons, we have good times, we have bad times, and then it all just shuts down and there's nothing left. I think Solomon's asking a very valid question. I do want to spend some time talking about the difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Think of it this way. The Old Testament asks the question, and the New Testament answers it. Or the Old Testament proclaims the promises and prophecies, and the New Testament answers and fulfills those promises. And that's what I want to do this morning. We're going to kind of look at this from a biblical perspective. Uh, This is probably not going to be the most popular message that you've ever heard. But honestly, I'm accountable to speak the truth. When I stand before God, he's going to hold me account to the truth that I taught. And so we're going to get in this. This may rub us a little bit, but I think we can lock in and do this together. What Solomon is asking is, what happens when we die? And honestly, it's a real scary question because none of us want to face that reality. None of us want to think about a time in our life where we're gasping for that final breath. None of us want to face that reality that that death is coming for us all. And Solomon's asking a valid question. And there's some some popular worldviews that are out there. I'm going to give them to you this morning so that we can talk about these and set them up and then go into what the Bible really says. The first belief about what happens when you die is that nothing happens, is that you just cease to exist. God, you, you, well, you may not even can't believe in God in that, so you just cease. It's done. You give it one good shot, one good go at it, and that's all you got. Here's the danger that I see with this thought, and this isn't the most popular thought. We probably hear a lot more people in America talk about this, but this isn't the most popular worldview of what happens. But here's what I see as a danger with this. This is the biggest gamble in the universe. I mean, if we're going to put all our chips on the table that nothing happens, I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest gamble of letting it ride that I've ever encountered. The second, the second idea or philosophy that's a little more popular is reincarnation. This is the belief that when you die, you stand before some sort of deity. And that deity makes the determination of you did it right or you didn't do it right. If you don't do it right, you go back as something else until you get it right. Somebody asked me in the first service, what happens if you're reincarnated as a fly? You got a very short time and a really crappy life, all right? Here's the problem with that. Sorry. Here's the problem with that. You'll find that one occasional guy, probably on the History Channel or some show, that says, I remember exactly what I was in my former life. You know, I was Joan of Arc in my former life. But the majority of people who believe in this philosophy of reincarnation can't tell you what they did. They say, I don't remember. I don't remember my previous life. I don't remember what I was. I mean, I don't remember if I was a flower, a bird, a butterfly, another man or another woman. I mean, I just, I don't remember. Here's the problem that I find with this philosophy is you're going to keep coming back until you get it right. In other words, until you nail it. And if you don't remember the previous life, how do you remember what you did wrong so that you can make it right? Think of it this way. It'd be like none of us knowing what a basketball is or the game of basketball. And you coming up and I hand you the ball and I put you on the court and I say, I want you to go have a perfect game. You can't lose. You need to do the, the triple, double, double, whatever it is. That's the in and out burger actually, isn't it? The triple, double, double. I don't know. What is it? Double, 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 a double, double in an Outburger, see? Or that's probably Burger King. I don't know. But anyway, you get the point. I'm hungry. Anyway, <laughs> it would be me telling you, you got to go get the perfect game right out of the chute, not knowing the rules, not knowing how to go do this, and it's got to be perfect. That's the danger I see with the reincarnation because it puts you in this endless cycle, I mean, you you never know what you've done, so you're in the same cycle of trying to nail something perfectly without knowing what the rules are or knowing how this is going to be judged. And so that's the second view. The third view holds a lot more people who ascribe to this view, and it's called the scale model. The bulk of religions and humanity and a lot of Christians... Or people who believe they're Christians believe in this model. It's a scale model. I think this model is more broken than the first two combined. Let me tell you what this is like. Uh, When we die, the belief is that you will stand before a deity and all of your life will be taken into account. And what happens is all of your bad, all of your evil will be placed on one side of the scale And all of the good things you've done will be placed on the other side of the scale. And then this deity will weigh it out. I don't know if... It might be a sick eternity game show, okay, where it's reality TV where you watch people's fate. You know, I don't know. Or the old gladiators where the thumb goes out, you know. But they're going to weigh your good versus your bad. And, And this is broken because people tend to think, I've got a heap good, I've got a heap good or I've got to get more good than the bad. I know I'm a bad person, but I'm not as bad as I am good, right? And so this gets weighed out. If the good is heavier, then there's some type of reward, depending on what religion is, is how good that reward is. If the bad outweighs the good, then there's some type of punishment. And some religions will believe that your your punishment is based on how far out of whack the scales are. So it might be 15 minutes, it might be an eternity. Here's the problem that when you look at that from a biblical perspective, that model makes God corrupt and unjust. There is not a court system in the world that would operate in this way. I mean, think about it. You you have a guy, I'm not gonna pick on anybody in this room, but let's say this, this guy commits a murder. And when you break the law, it incurs the justice that the law brings. And therefore, justice the justice system will enact, and this man is arrested. So this man has murdered someone, and he's going to court. He sits before the judge. The judge puts him on trial. Well, the defense lawyers are calling family members and other people to say, hey, I want to testify for the character of this person. And so what happens in the courtroom is the judge hears his testimony, and he hears how good of a guy he was. I mean, this guy went to church occasionally. He gave a little bit. He volunteered Really no other infractions, never even had a speeding ticket. He was a good guy. I mean, he did a lot of good stuff. But the murder, and so, yeah, other than the murder, the guy's a good guy, all right? And so the judge is watching this, and he's taking this in. And then if it gets to the end, and the judge says, well, okay, based on the infraction of murder, but your good outweighs your bad, so you're free to go, that court would be overthrown. Because what has to be judged is the infraction. And so that's why I think this model is broken. And so let's spend some time talking about the biblical view. So go over to Romans chapter 5. If you need to, I'll give you time to go to the table of contents. But Romans chapter 5, it's in the New Testament. what we have to understand is is really most of the be- beliefs the majority of beliefs of what happens after you die is you stand before some sort of deity and the Bible brings the truth into the into the picture and we're going to spend some time wrestling with this truth Romans chapter 5 I'm going to read you verse 12 therefore just as sin entered the world through one man that one man is Adam and death Through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. We have to understand that we're broken. From the time Adam sinned to now, death rules and reigns in the world, and sin reigns in the world. Now, before you go blaming Eve and all that, the scripture blames Adam. When God walked in the garden after the sin, God says, where are you, Adam? Adam. But from that point on, the harmony, everything that was right that God had created was broken. It was severed, and death reigned. So what we have to understand is is we are born broken. Sin is not those actions that start to happen once you know right from wrong. The actions that come from sin is based on our broken nature, okay? Let me give it to you this way. You didn't have to teach your kids how to tell the truth, I mean how to tell a lie. Right, If you have kids, somehow they automatically learned how to lie. Or somehow they automatically learned, and, and it, it was understood in nature, that if they see another child playing with a toy, they can go take it. Because it's that word they learn right after mama and dada is mine. You know that word that when they say it, there's a nerve in the back of a parent's neck. That when they say mine, it, it feels like it's rubbing like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're just like ugh. You didn't have to teach him that. You've got to teach him how to share. You've got to teach him how to tell the truth. We are born broken. We're born with the propensity to sin, and internally, this death nature and this sin nature constantly speaks to us: rebel against that system, rebel against that, rebel against that. And so we are born broken. We're born into death. And something has to be done to fix it. So look at verse 17, chapter 5, Romans 5 17. For if by the trespass of the one man Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So here's what happens. Jesus absorbs the wrath because the judge has to judge the infraction. So the infraction is we are born dead. I mean, we may be breathing, our heart may be pumping blood, but we are dead. And we're born into this system of death. And all of our sin will incur the wrath of God. Our sin brings the wrath of God. And I'm not going to stand up here and put a soapbox and say, I'm going to preach against sin. I'm going to preach against sin. Because we can pick sins and preach against them. And we like to preach hard against other people's sin without acknowledging our own. But let me tell you what we're going to preach. Grace. Jesus absorbs the wrath of God. Our sin brings the just nature of God against us. And the wrath wrath of God is simply this. It's God building a case against you. God is opposing us because of our sin. When I'm sinning, God's building a case. And he's like, all right, we're going to have to do something about this. And so Jesus absorbs that. Are you tracking with that? Jesus absorbs it. To take care of the bad side of the scale, something has to happen based on the infraction. Not just Jesus being perfect and God in flesh, standing on the good side and going, I weigh more than sin. But the blood of Christ absorbs the wrath of God for our sin. Now, here's where where we lose a lot of people in America and in North America. Uh, We think that's it. Oh, I know Jesus, I believe Jesus died for me. Okay. He did. He died for us. But sometimes we think because we attend a church or we're born in America that we're automatically in, it, that doesn't mean anything. Wildly unpopular, yes, I know, but it doesn't mean anything. God's not going to stand, we're not going to stand before God and he's going to say, oh, yeah. we're at Texas. Oh, Texas, oh, yeah, right on in there. That, that's my country, right? Yeah, right Anyway, we are dead and have to be born into life. It's just as Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what do I have to do? What does it take? And Jesus says, you've got to be born, born again. Just as flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. There has to be a process of Jesus taking us from death to life. you go over to john chapter one we're going to finish up in john uh, chapter one and chapter five but we are born broken jesus steps into humanity god in the flesh is jesus absorbs the wrath for our sin he conquers death in the grave and is resurrected that's the gospel that good news gospel means good news The good news is that from a broken system that we're born into, Jesus steps into humanity, absorbs the wrath on the cross for our sin, was placed in a tomb, the power of the Holy Spirit resurrected him on the third day. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's the good news. And that's what we are hearing today. So John chapter 1. I'm going to read to you uh, 1 through 5, and then we'll jump down to verse 12. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is speaking of Jesus. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. What has to happen is what Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus in John 3, which is in your further reading that there has to be life infused in us. It's not that Jesus has life and he's withholding it. It's not that Jesus can add something to our life. We've got to understand something. We are dead and Jesus gives us life. And he sustains that life. And then he brings us safely home. And what is happening here is Jesus' life and through faith we're born into life. We have to receive that faith from God so that we can enact that faith to be born into life so that we are a new creature. Here's what the process looks like. Because some of you are very process minded and you like to see the flow chart. How does this work? What's the bullet points? What's the PowerPoint here? What's step one, two, three, four, five, whatever? Um, it starts like this We're born dead, we're broken. And then the gospel is shared. The gospel I know every one of you after today will have heard the gospel at least one time. Some of you have grown up around the gospel. But the gospel is shared. You hear this news that, that, yes, we're broken, but the good news is we can be redeemed. We can be made right. We can be reconciled with God. That's the good news. Nothing we can do. And God opens our heart to really hear it. This is an interesting step here. Because I know people who have heard the gospel and heard the gospel, but it takes God opening their heart to really hear it. You know what I mean? It's like I, I grew up in church, but it, it really hit when I was 14. Or I've been in church all my life, but when I was in my 20s, man, it was like I really got it. That's God wooing you and opening your heart. So we're born broken, gospel goes out. God opens our heart to really hear the gospel and then then it gets a little uncomfortable. We realize what our sin has done. For me, it was a realization that it was my brokenness and my selfishness that Jesus was on the cross for. And it created sorrow in my life. And I was having a hard time reconciling that sorrow because that's God making us aware that I love you and and we're we're broken. And I desire to be connected with you. And through that sorrow, it brings confession and repentance. Let me tell you something about confession and repentance. Some people think confession is the end of a process. I think it's the beginning. Where we sit down and go, oh, I just got to tell you, man, I really messed up here. I screwed that up and woo, that feels good to get that off my chest and nothing has changed. That's confession. That's the beginning of the process because now it's been brought to the front and you got to deal with it. We've got to do something to, to, to work with this. And let me tell you something. This is a process of wrestling. Repentance is a process of wrestling. Repentance can be an exhaustive cycle if you think of it this way, that, that I'm walking towards my sin and then all of a sudden I turn and I walk towards Jesus. I, I'm a dizzy dude then because I feel like I'm constantly in this battle between Jesus and, and what I want that I know is contrary to the nature of God that is sin. And I'm like, man, but I'm liking this now. Oh, but I need to fix this. Oh, I'm, you know, you, it's exhausting. Repentance is, is simply... The sorrow over our sin that creates an earnestness to follow Jesus. So what we do is we begin to pursue him and let the things of the world fade away. That's a process. And I'm still in it. And so our sorrow leads to confession and repentance. Repentance leads to faith. And God gives us that faith. Once we have that faith and we say, I'm putting that faith at the cross and in you, Jesus, then we are justified. It's a big church word, justification. Just think of it as this, just as if I'd ever sinned. So God sees us as righteous and holy. We're right before God. And then we begin this process called sanctification. It's another big church word. It means maturity process. It's where God chisels away at your life to form you in the character of his son. Real happy, I know. Some people will tell you that, hey, give your life to Christ and your life just, man, it's just, woo. Uh -uh. I know this is a hard sell on the gospel. This is probably not the greatest infomercial way to do this. But if you call in the next 10 minutes, we'll double your order. I don't know. We'll pay the shipping and handling. It's wildly unpopular, yes, I know. But it's the mercy and the just nature of God. And so that brings us back because as God's chiseling away, one of two things will happen. Either Jesus is going to come back or we face death. Every generation that has lived since Jesus ascended believes that they're the generation that will see Jesus come back. And and I, I don't know. I hope I do. But chances are we will face death. And either way, we will, all, we will stand in the place before God. And so what happens when we die is we will stand before God and there will be a judgment. And let me tell you what happens in that. Go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 25. There's a whole lot more that we could go into in the book of Revelation. Revelation. And that will be another message for another time, another study for another time. But chapter 5, verse 25, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He's not talking about the dead, dead people. He's talking about spiritually dead people. He's talking about what we're born into, that although we're breathing and living and moving around, that we are dead and that there will be a point where we hear his voice and the life he gives us life. That's what happens before we die. And then go down to verse 28. He says, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. Now he's talking about dead, dead people. um, Who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Okay, here's what this process looks like roughly. Uh, we die. We exhale our final breath on earth. And we will be in the presence of God. And what Jesus is saying here is that that God will, we'll, we'll talk about the scale model here. We'll see how Jesus deals with the scale model. Is that God walks over to the bad side of the scale and what he sees is the broken, bloodied body of Jesus. And Jesus says it's paid for in full. And he has nothing on the evil side of the scale to judge because of Jesus, the righteousness of God. And so he will walk over to the good side of the scale and he will judge what we've done good in our life. Now that goes into a lot of theology and a lot of teachings for another time, but there will be reward. And he says, you will rise to life, eternal life. That's what happens for those who are in Christ. For those who are outside of Christ, God can't judge anything on the good side of the scale because nothing good happens apart from God. Yes, there are good actions, but there is nothing good and lasting outside of God. And so he has nothing to judge on the good side of the scale, and he judges the evil in their life. The judge has to judge the infraction not the balance and so what happens for those in Christ Jesus has covered the sin and made us right with God for those outside of Christ all that's there for God to judge is the infraction and so to answer Solomon what happens when we die we'll face either our Savior or our Judge And that is God. That is the creator. And what happens on this side of eternity and what we do with Jesus determines that. It's wildly unpopular, yes, I know, because it means not everybody gets there. It means that we do have an accountability for for what we do with Jesus. But what I want you to think about, and we're all at different places This morning I get that but I want you to wrestle with this question. Where are you on this? Where are you on this line? I mean you may be here. I know you've heard the gospel at least once today because We just went through it and and you may be Matt. I'm indifferent to it. I hear you, but i'm just ah I don't nah I don't buy that. I don't no. That's okay. It's okay Let me challenge you Keep coming and learning Press in. Don't give up. Don't walk away from this. This is a safe place to wrestle with that. This is a safe place to ask questions. This is a place where it's perfectly okay to not be okay. And there are people that will walk with you. Some of you may be, hey, I, I, I think I heard it for the first time. There's something going on inside. I don't know what. I mean, it's like I heard it, and I heard it for the first time. We want to talk with you. Nothing, this ain't going to get weird or kooky. We want to talk with you about what that is. Some of you are in that process of sanctification where you're like, this is hard, man. God is chiseling away at me. And you may just need some some help, some encouragement. But I want you to spend some time. I don't want us to just pray and sing a song in a minute and go get your triple-double-double with fries. But I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to consider this. Where are you on this line? Let's pray. Father, we love you. I know that sometimes what the truth of your word, as it comes out, it's not the way we want it to be. Father, I'll I'll confess this to you before everyone. I wish the truth of your word would allow me to live my life the way I want to live to please me and to serve me but yet have all of the eternal rewards. And Father, I just pray that through the truth of your word there is nothing good apart from you. That we are we're dead. That without you we end up in a meaningless, mundane cycle. And so this morning I ask that you give us courage and strength to wrestle with the realities of our faith. Give us the courage and strength to reach out and have the conversations that need to be had. Father, I just ask that you help us to be very clear with where we are in that cycle and where we are in that line with faith. because we can put a front on with anybody else in this room, but we can't can't fool you. So would you reveal ourself to ourselves so we can make some honest assessments? Father, in that moment when we come to the end of our life that, that you say... Let's, let's get out of here because I've conquered the whole death thing and let's go on. And in that moment, would you help us, help us understand that we will either see you as our savior or as our judge. God, I'm not trying to manipulate anyone or create an emotional atmosphere for somebody to make a decision. It's got to be you at work in their life. And I ask you to work in our lives. We love you. We thank you. We walk away from this time in your word and just ask for you to bring us into a reflection. Pray all of this in the name that is above all names, and the name that conquered death, and the name that absorbed all of the punishment and wrath for our sin. And that name is Jesus, in the beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.